Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Can war ever be moral? How about if it's for a good cause? How about if it's in the name of God? How about if fighting this war ends another more egregious one? Let's talk with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, about war and morality. Lincoln, the time is yours. Well, how much? 15 minutes? <laughs> yes, you Thereabouts. do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unlike, uh, what is it? We've had a... Uh, 12-year war, but we haven't yet lived through the 100-year war in our lifetime, which yeah. Europe did. Yeah. But we've pretty much been in a state of war since 9-11. Right. And as uh, then Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld told uh, Americans, he says, this war will last our lifetime. Mm -hmm. So we have a lifetime to think through what war is. And I do not think that the average person has really developed a philosophical framework for this. As the medieval Christians did, not a good framework, and that's what we want to talk about. But something that's on people's minds at the moment, I know, because I've heard them tell me as I've traveled around of these drone strikes. Yes. Not long ago, I went to a Seventh-day Adventist church down in Florida, and they had me lined up for an afternoon meeting, and I took Friday night and the Sabbath service on, on the, the, the Lord's Day, the Sabbath, and then they wanted me to talk in the afternoon. But my brother had had a health issue, so I begged out. But I stayed by during their potluck and heard them announce the afternoon meeting, and all they were talking about were drones. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I remember telling them, I said, you know, there's other things going on. And they said, oh, no, we must talk about this. Uh, the, the local sheriff had just said in the, in the daily paper there in Orlando that, that he wanted to get drones armed with uh, uh, rockets and all the rest to deal with criminals Mercy. in the community. Wow. So it's coming home to roost. <laughs> But let me, let me read something that I, I picked up just today from Business Week online. They made this statement. It's a couple of sentences. President Obama, who is putatively a civil libertarian, or at the very least the preferred candidate of most civil libertarians, mm -hmm. has achieved something remarkable over the course of his term. He has led an expansive war against America's enemies using lethal flying robots that not infrequently incinerate innocent civilians. Mm. And he's been rewarded for it. According to a Washington Post-ABC News poll conducted earlier this year, 83% of Americans support Obama's drone policy. Well, we're supporting something that has a high, uh, what was the term that Rumsfeld used? Collateral damage. Mm -hmm. uh, Rumsfeld claimed that these uh, modern weapons are, oh, the... the uh, Humanity of it all, he says, yeah. when it comes down and it kills that, that evildoer and next door the ha house is not harmed, he says that, the humanity. Mm -hmm. Well, the humanity of it is meant, according to one survey by the London-based Bureau of Investigative Journalism, between 2,500 and 3,300 people have been killed by drones in Pakistan in the last uh, nine years, mm -hmm. and of those... Up to a thousand were civilians. Oh my! And these are not in war. These are uh, drones flying over an allied country, and uh, you know taking shots directed by uh, duly elected leaders, but people not duly authorized under normal legal principles to determine who will live, who will die. Uh, so it's it's raising big questions that I don't think people are answering. They affirm that they like this, 
but they're liking something that has moral ambiguity written all over it. Hmm. Something that, that I'd like to tell our viewers is, is the so-called just war theory. And I don't know if I've mentioned it on this program before, but back at the beginning of the uh, war in Iraq, a highly placed, I'm minding my words carefully here, <laughs> a highly placed person of the cloth that associates with government said that Donald Rumsfeld approached him one day and asked him about just war theory. And it was just before the, uh, the invasion of Iraq. And I don't know that Rumsfeld or Bush or anyone was, was necessarily swayed by what they were told or not told about just war theory. But it's obvious they were seeking a theological justification right. for what they were doing. Right. And that was what the Roman Catholic Church, as the major religious power during the medieval period, did. It formulated what a just war was. And it's very interesting. They had three main principles. In other words, a just war is identified as one that you can fight without guilt. Would that be a way of saying it? Absolutely. Okay. Well, here they are. The first one, war must occur for a good and just purpose rather than for self-gain <laughs> or just as an exercise of power. Second, just war must be waged by a properly instituted authority, such as the state. <laughs> Third, peace must be a central motive even in the midst of violence. Now, these sound great. People love them because it, it, it gives you a formula to deal with the unthinkable. But I see red flags popping up all over these things, Lincoln, well, so and I'm sure I. you did. Point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> a good and a just purpose rather than for self-gain. Yeah. What's a good and just purpose? <laughs> Who determines that? The Bible says that the heart of man is evil continually. Continually, yes. The, the natural thoughts of man are like that. And, and then when you get states, even with good people deciding to act, violently against another state that it's full of uh, self-justification self-interest gain well you know we we went to iraq and now we're out but we we gained certain things from that we gained uh, a certain control over their oil we gained a certain hegemony in the middle east i mean it's, it's not a, a neutral equation even mm -hmm. in the cleanest modern sense of a surgical strike and then you're gone and then it says, just war must be waged by a properly instituted authority. Is the state properly instituted? <laughs> uh, you know, Saddam Hussein could pretty much say, like, what was it, Louis Fourteenth? I am the state. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, the state, what I believe is the Bible says very plainly, the state acts in, in a way that God would otherwise act. So it's standing in for God. But that doesn't mean that it's that it's an equivalent to God's That's righteousness. Right. It's right. just doing, it's executing what is normally the prerogative of God, but it executes it badly most of the time. Then it says peace must be a central motive. Well, you know, there's the peace of the dead. Peace, oh again, my. is a very, um, you know, subject to, to uh, like, like if you have pacified a country, and this is a term that they use in modern warfare, it's pacified, so there's no longer violent objection to mm -hmm. your existence there. Mm -hmm. But they could be cowed. They could be uh, demoralized. That doesn't mean that, that goodness and righteousness reigns throughout the land just because uh, you've established military peace. In fact, it's almost certainly the reverse. Yes. War lays down a, a generational groundwork of hatred. I mean, even a, a war that may be unavoidable. And, and there is no question in the modern world that, that once evil started a bad dynamic you know, in prehistory, now there's such complicated situations, even 
Chamberlain's gone down in infamy in England that he didn't want war, and yet in, in a certain way he caused it to become worse mm-hmm. by his uh, dilly-dallying with Hitler. Mm-hmm. So I know that this is so multidimensional, you can't say never and always and so on. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it behooves Christians and people of faith and trust in religious uh, prerogatives to look closely at why modern states and their personal participants, that's you and me, I mean, a state is not uh, anything more than, than lots of individuals that throw their lot in with it. Why do they kill other people? Mm-hmm. I, I really think the United States, particularly where you and I live, is gliding unthinkingly into a new model where we've accepted that we're in a just war. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly just because we say it's just, not because we've thought it through much. Mm-hmm. And we're elevating to to the level of a, of a great civic duty anyone that takes up arms and yet, at the same time, we know that they, the soldiers are killing themselves at the moment at a greater rate than the enemy right. in suicide. Yeah. We know that they're coming back uh, severely psychically damaged. So w- we're playing with, 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 a, with a great evil, and we're calling it a great good. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I look over this list, uh, the good purpose, the authority, and the peace, I can't think of a better list to put on the opposite end of these things. This is why you need to share God's love, because you have a good purpose instead of self-gain. You have the authority of God's state, and you want to bring peace to the world. So they've got this thing turned around. They're, they're, they're calling it a, a reasons for a just war, but I say, hey, it's a good reason to witness for the love of God. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we need to keep our priorities straight. In a complicated yes. world, there might be times that we can't control where we're sucked into that, but we shouldn't be the instigators of it. We should be the break on the natural tendency toward violence and war. You know, because in the Bible it says, you know, what's the sign of evil? It's wars and dissensions. That's right. That's war. And, of course, uh, dissensions lead to war. I was on a, uh, a war and world religions website uh, a little bit earlier, and, and they discussed just war and so on. And they said, put simply, I thought, think this was a good... Division. It says, put simply, there are three possibilities or possible views of war that a religion might adopt. One, the pacifist view, all violence and killing is wrong. Now, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, which is not a long-standing organization, although it's linked into an ancient truth and, and resurrected uh, prophetic uh, truth for our time, but the Seventh-day Adventist Church looked closely at this during the Civil War in the yes, United States, yes. a time when... As Abraham Lincoln says, said in one of his, uh, I think it was his second, yeah, second inaugural, he says, you know, both sides thought that God was on their side, but right. that was impossible. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and at that time, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which was told by its prophet Ellen White that God's punishment rested on the South because of their embrace of slavery, it was at that time exactly that they adopted a pacifist viewpoint, non-combatant mm-hmm. viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a legitimate point. Your religion leads you to, to essentially abstain from warfare, uh, saying that it's wrong. Killing is wrong. You know, way too many people go to Ecclesiastes. You know, there is a time for everything, yes. a time to kill, a time to love. That is the most superficial reading of that that, that is imaginable. They need to see Ecclesiastes as it states at the beginning, this was the ungodly rantings of someone who decided to, to go their own way and to discover every evil. And he says, I saw this, I saw this. But at the end, he says, but I know that I need to discover God while I'm young and God just wants me to do justly and so on. You know, he summed it up differently. That was part of the the false journey. But the second thing that it listed as a possible uh, religious attitude is belief in a just war. 
that some wars are right because they are in the interests of justice and therefore should be fought according to just rules. And I believe that's true, but not true the way people think. Mm -hmm. It was true in the Old Testament when God was giving the the signal. (laughs) He understood it. And there were some cases of absolute wickedness where acting as executors of God's justice, his people were, were sent out to deal with it. But absent God's voice, we should hesitate, 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 <laughs> because otherwise, uh, you know, we, we, we're the ready jihadists that some of the extremist Muslims are. And I know there are many Muslims that are as troubled as I am by these guys that will fly into a building thinking they're doing God's will. Yeah. They have a title from the Quran for it, but it's still an extreme application. And in the absence of God's direct command, we should never feel that we are self-ordained uh, or charged by God to go out and and cause murder and mayhem. Yes, there is a just war, but we are not normally to know such a thing. And the last one is holy war, which cannot be sanctified by man mm. when it's really God that would have to make it holy. That's true. So it's suspect from the beginning. Lincoln, our time has flown by. This is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.